Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clash. The Coffee Clash and Special Needs Talk Radio Network feature outstanding programming for the special needs community. Our team of hosts provide educational interviews. Our shows are not designed to provide listeners with specific or personal medical, legal, or professional service or advice. Parents of children with health issues should always consult their health care provider for medical advice, medications, or treatment. Any show discussing rights and law for special needs children and special education are presented as general information and not legal advice. Special Needs Coffee Clash Limited does not promote any host or guest individual practice, programs, treatments, or products. We thank you for joining us and are proud to provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs community. And now, on to the interview. Hello, and welcome to Matters of the Mind on the Coffee Clatch. I'm your host, Dr. Marla Deibler, clinical psychologist and executive director of the Center for Emotional Health of Greater Philadelphia. I am particularly excited to bring you today our guest, Dr. Thomas Phelan. Dr. Phelan is a clinical psychologist also and author of 123 Magic, Effective Discipline for Children 2 through 12, as well as Surviving Your Adolescence. For more than 25 years, Dr. Phelan's books and videos have helped millions of parents and teachers and caregivers raise independent, emotionally intelligent children and build happier, healthier families. 123 Magic helps caregivers to discipline and set limits for children by breaking down the complex tasks of parenting into straightforward steps. 123 Magic book sales have surpassed 1.5 million copies. It's been translated into over 20 languages, and 123 Magic has consistently been the number one child discipline book on Amazon.com. Welcome, Dr. Phelan. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Marla. It's nice to talk to you. So... Not only have I utilized the principles of 123Magic in my clinical work as a as a psychologist with children and parents and teachers, um, and also helping my students to learn this for the past 17 years, but my husband and I have also used 123Magic with our own three very spirited sons, and I thank you for it. I really believe that it's a, it's a simple um, behavioral plan. The principles are... Um, on which it's based, I, I feel very confident about. And I'm thrilled to talk to you today. How did you become interested in family systems and how to help parents with behavior management? Well, it started, uh, part of it started from uh, my practice as a clinical psychologist. It just so happened when I started out, I got a lot of um, pe- uh, pediatrician referrals. And these were kids, you know, they weren't always like horribly messed up, but they weren't going to bed on time, weren't doing their homework, fight too much of their siblings. And uh, I had to find some way to help the doctors and the families get these things straightened around. And I realized very quickly uh, one of our cardinal rules is if you don't keep it simple, nobody will do it. Uh, And so when I was doing parenting groups, uh, I had to really make the recommendations not only effective but also learnable. And the second source of the program is really my parenting experience. My wife and I had uh, an ADHD child. So we always say part of the one, two, three magic came from self-defense at home. <laughs> yes, I, I can relate to that. Um, for those who are listening who aren't familiar with one, two, three magic, 
can you tell us a little bit about the essential nuts and bolts of this disciplinary strategy? Yeah, along the lines of keeping things simple, we tell parents uh, there's nothing particularly fancy about parenting. You have three straightforward jobs. First is control obnoxious behavior. Second is to encourage good behavior. And the third is to strengthen your relationship with the children. You do those three things, you'll be a pretty good parent. We have one tactic for job number one, obnoxious behavior. We have half a dozen tactics for job number two, positive behavior, based around routines. And we have uh, four tactics for job number three. So it's uh, pretty straightforward, you know, do this, don't do that, and things are going to come out in the wash. And there's a new edition this month. I, I have received a few copies myself in the last week or so. I haven't had a chance to read them in the last week, but what's new in the updated release? Uh, what's new is the, the the book itself is more user-friendly. Uh, it's more browsable. There's more visual interest on the inside. And uh, there's a, a, a handy new index that we added. But to be honest with you, uh, it's it's not the the structure of the program is not that different from the fourth or the fifth edition. So if if your listeners still have the fourth or the fifth edition, they'll still be in pretty good shape. So what are the things that you focus on most in terms of helping parents to um, set up a good program for their children? Well, the first thing I think is you you have to define the job. So we talk about the three parenting jobs. And then uh, you have to know in the in the clutch in a discipline situation what are you going to what are you going to do, and what are you going to say? And we tell parents one two three magic is the only parenting program based on the fact that parents talk too much. Uh, talking is often sanctified in our culture. Everybody thinks talking is great. You know, it's communication. So if communication is great, more communication is even better. And that's not true when it comes to discipline. Uh, If you talk too much to your kids, you're likely to go through what we call the talk, persuade, argue, yell, and sometimes hit syndrome, uh, which means that as the talking does not work, you get more and more frustrated. And that's where a lot of child abuse uh, comes comes from. So we tell parents, we're going to tell you the strategies. We'll tell you how to how to do the you know ha- handle these three parenting jobs. But the hardest thing and the most important, there's no magic. The closest thing to magic are what we call the no talking and no emotion rules. Part of the art of being a parent is knowing when to shut up. I know that sounds funny, uh, but also uh, how to control your emotions. And the nice thing about one two three magic, when people, as you've experienced, as they uh, realize how effective it is, then they don't feel the need to argue and yell and get so excited. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that stood out for me most in One Two Three Magic. One of the sort of gems of advice that really stood out for me, even the first time reading the book, was keeping yourself in check as a parent while managing whatever the undesirable behavior is or when you're attempting to even get a child to initiate a desirable behavior. And if if they're yelling, if they're talking too much, if they're physically acting out in any way, I love how you put it, that they are having the temper tantrum, not the child, but the parent is. And, you know, they're modeling unwanted behavior, and they're and they're simply just not going to be effective. No, and and it's interesting. Those those temper tantrums usually start with the talking. Uh, we have a thing I call it in our society, in our culture. We, in discipline situations, we default to reasoning and explaining. Now, if reasoning and explaining work, 
That's great. That's wonderful. Uh, if they don't work, what are you going to do? You need to have a plan, and that's what One Two Three Magic provides. Is when reasoning explaining don't work, uh, well, you want a plan, and it's not spanking, and it's not yelling, uh, and so on. It's got to be something concrete, and and also. <laughs> Uh, the strategy has to be something that you can remember under conditions of emotional duress, and that's very important. Most of us, we get emotionally upset, we regress, and we go to more primitive strategies like yelling or spanking and stuff, and we don't want people to do that. Right. So what do you do when a parent says, well, I've tried timeouts, and, and that doesn't work? How is this different? Yeah. <clears throat> well, people uh, often people say, we've tried everything. And uh, I say to people, if you've tried everything, that means you've done nothing consistently. Uh, But when they say one, two, three, magic doesn't work, 90% of the time, as I've been saying, it's because they are talking too much. People have an amazing ability to talk, and we call it chatter or prattle. Uh, And people can prattle at their kids without even knowing their mouths are open. (laughs) It's just amazing how people can chatter away and have no idea of what they're doing and the effect on their kids uh, and so on. So uh, if your kid is acting up, say, whining or something like that, um, you can explain to them that you don't like whining. If you want to explain that once, I don't like whining and so on. But if the child doesn't respond, we're going to go to counting. Uh, And counting is uh, probably the backbone of the program. And one of the things that I really like, too, is that it it really points out what you said. I I like how you say that um, the children are not little adults, that they are children. And, you know, there needs to be a a particular way to to deal with them, that they're not people that you can reason with in the same way. Yes. And, you know, it's hard enough to reason with adults. Uh, and if your kids are just kids, that's part of that default to reasoning. You, just, you know, there's a theory behind that, too. And the theory, when we do all this talking and explaining, and remember, if it works, that's fine. But the theory is that the child's misbehavior is due to the fact that they don't understand the rules. And 90% of the time, that is just not true. Your kids are fighting for the 40th time today. It's not because they don't understand that you have a rule about it. You shouldn't fight. Uh, it's because that they are overwhelmed with their desire to fight at the moment. And you better find some other way of uh, dealing with that other than to repeat or explain the rule. They already know the rule. Right. So you're giving them some sort of external way to help them regulate their emotions more effectively. That's right, and that when we do counting, uh, you know, that's to manage the undesirable or obnoxious behavior. What we're doing, we're not explaining, we are signaling. And so if I hold up my finger and say that's one, very calmly, that's the first warning to the kids that they are out of line. So if I say that's one, that means to them they're doing something wrong, they better figure out what it is, and they better change it or there will be a consequence. And that's very different from explaining uh, but the counting only works if you don't talk after the count. You say that's one, and you keep quiet. You don't say that's one. Come on, now, I'm getting a little sick and tired of this. Keep this up. You're going to wind up in your room. Look at me when I'm talking to you, young man. Did God put you on earth to drive me crazy or what? That's prattle. <laughs> and that, it, just imagine you're a kid. That's aggravating, and it also distracts you. Right, right. You know, what, if you're a kid, what do you want to do? You want to have a good fight. You don't want to cooperate. You want to have a good fight. Right. Very, very clear, clear expectations set. They know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. Very, very simply laid out. Yeah. So how do you get the buy-in from the parent? For for those parents who do say, who come in and say, you know, we've tried that, we've tried everything, nothing seems to work with my child, 
this child's different. They won't stay in their designated spot for this, you know, their allotted amount of time. How do you get the buy-in? Yeah. Well, there's two kind of buy-in I think you're talking about. One is can they buy into the whole program? And the ideal way is to have them either read the book or even better watch the DVD or even better than yet, that come to a live workshop. What we try and put into the workshop is a, 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 a real um, sense of humor. We sometimes call the program, it's a, a humorous look at parenting and a serious look at discipline. And I find the buy-in, especially from, guess who's the hardest to get involved, the dads, uh, that buy-in comes much more quickly if the program is humorous and it speaks to their frustration with the uh, with their kids. It says, you know, Dad, uh, <clears throat> yeah, you don't like parenting programs. You like action. This is action, but it's going to be gentle action. But it's going to get the job done. It's going to end your frustration when the kids are misbehaving. You're going to be a good good dad. The other kind of buy-in I think you're referring to is a specific problem, like the kids won't go to their room or they, they won't stay in the rest period or the timeout or whatever. And we have a chapter in the book um, that is our FAQ chapter, and I tell people or parents, you know, b- um, before you start the program, especially with counting for obnoxious behavior, that's parenting job number one, before you start the program, you should know the answer to every frequently asked question in that chapter. Otherwise, you won't know what to do. So uh, people won't buy in if they run to a frustration that they can't solve. So we we explain the answers, rehearse the answers, and then you do the kickoff conversation with the children. So what do you find to be the most challenging aspect of helping parents with their children's behavior? I think, uh, you know, I I mentioned the talking too much. That's definitely the most challenging. I think one of the other other ones that's most challenging is kind of endemic today. I mean, it's kind of built into our society, and it's parents feeling so um, busy. They're busy, busy, busy. And oftentimes parents feel not only busy but overwhelmed the whole day. And they go from here to here to here to here doing this, that, and the other thing. And then they listen to the news, and the whole world is a a mess. And they just don't have a moment of peace. And, you know, if you're that busy and you're feeling that overwhelmed, when it comes time to be with your children, you're not going to be very much fun to be with. And it also means when you're trying to discipline your kids, you're likely to overreact to their misbehavior or their lack of cooperation. So I think this... If this is what you're looking for, this this busy, overwhelmed feeling kind of has a bad potential for messing up the whole child discipline thing. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And what do you do with the parents who um, say that their kids really elevate their behavior when they use the program? They become physically aggressive or destructive while they're trying to carry out the behavior management strategies. Yeah. The first thing, where there's two two answers to that question. The first thing is we, as I've said, we go back to that parent and say, how are you doing with the no talking, no emotion roles? And how mm-hmm. likely is it, because it's very likely, that that kid's elevation is due to the parent's chattering and aggravating the kid. The conversation should have stopped a mi- two minutes ago, and you're still talking. No wonder your kid's getting so mad. The second thing is we have... Uh, a chapter in the book called The Major Minor System, and this is for the um, obnoxious behavior or problem behaviors that are uh, bigger deals than just usual countable things like whining. You know, it's for 
stuff like uh, you know breaking things or physical violence or st- staying out till one in the morning when you're ten years old, you know things that are uh, uh, sex, drugs, those those kinds of things. So we have the major minor system where we come up with consequences that are matched in terms of major, medium, and minor to offenses, which are major, medium, and minor. Uh, because when the kids do these you know, bigger things, you tend to get more upset. <clears throat> and then you do it, you're back to yelling and screaming again, and that's no good. So we want a, right. uh, you know, it's like, okay, this is a misdemeanor, this is a felony, this is a no problem, <laughs> and we're going to agree on all this stuff and agree on the consequences beforehand. And what do you do when offenses do get larger or when the child gets older or, or bigger? You know, some people say bigger kids, bigger problems. Yeah. What do you do once they get older and that starts to happen? Well, uh, they, there are some people think that uh, you can't use the program when the kids are 8 or 9, and that's not true. I mean, you can use the kid, the program when the kids are 10 or 11. It does say on the book ages 2 to 12, and that's generally the you know, the uh, ages that we that we use it for. So some parents give up. They say, I don't want to count the kid who's 9 or 10. That's beneath them. Well, I don't think so. What else are you going to do? And use the counting and use it <clears throat> religiously, but use it calmly uh, and so on. The other thing we do with the 10, 11, 12 kids is um, we warn them. We say, I'm going to ask you to stop. Here's the reason I want you to stop. If you don't, I'm going to switch to counting. So even though it's like almost like you're saying, you're 12 years old. <clears throat> if you're going to act like an eight-year-old, eight <laughs> I'm going to treat you like an eight-year-old. <laughs> I'm going to treat you like one. <laughs> That's right. I'll, I'll count you. Uh, yeah. But then we have a, a, a lot of new strategies in our program. The sequel is called Surviving Your Adolescence, which is a mm-hmm. book and a <clears throat> DVD as well. And there's a lot of different strategies because one of your things when the kids are teenagers is you're going to start letting go. And we have what we call our MBAs, which are minor but aggravating problems that the kids do that may drive you crazy or insane with rage, but they don't need your intervention, such as hairstyle, sometimes hair color, (laughs) musical preferences, Mm -hmm. eating habits, you know, those kind of things. Your your job when they're teenagers is to start pulling, pulling back. Right, and that's just part of their normal growth and development. That's right, and their their job. We got to remember their job is to get rid of you, <laughs> right? Move, move out. So they're going to test those limits to some extent. Yes, they are. So what what happens when behavior management is complicated? You mentioned like your child as as mine uh, with something like ADHD or uh, maybe other kinds of psychopathology like maybe autism spectrum disorders or anxiety disorders or or perhaps behavioral problems like oppositional defiant disorder or conduct mm-hmm. disorder or some kind of mood dysregulation. Does that change the approach? Uh, the good news is it does not change the approach that much. <clears throat> uh, the requirements for using the program are that child have a mental age of about two. <clears throat> uh, that's uh, That's important. And, but we don't need a lot of modifications for each particular kind of um, uh, uh, disorder. The, the requirement actually is that you, if you have a kid who's ADHD, for example, or bipolar or ODD, the requirement becomes you have to be twice as good as another parent in order to use this with that kind of a child. So you really have to follow the rules um, religiously. Absolutely. No talking, no emotion, you know, and so on. If you want to turn a, turn an ADHD, ODD kid into a conduct disorder kid, 
talk to them too much and chatter at them and make them mad and all that, you'll get your conduct disorder and you'll have a bigger problem than you did before. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Absolutely. Um, very difficult. Uh, would you say that there are any signs or red flags if someone were to to buy your books or the, I love the DVDs too, um, and were impl- into to implement this program, are there any signs or red flags you feel like they should be aware of in terms in terms of an atypical response, like atypical behaviors during behavior management procedures that should really alert parents to a potential concern for their child's behavior, um, that something else may be going on, that they perhaps should seek professional help in evaluating the child or getting some additional help to manage the behavior? Yes. That's a good question, and and we we use uh, one two three magic in a sense as a kind of a uh, um, I hate to say general, but as a sort of differential diagnostic technique, and, and that applies to what you're saying. So we'll, we'll say to parents, you know, <clears throat> I've been you know I'm talking to you, I've been talking to your kid, I did the evaluation and so on. I'm not still still not sure if we got bipolar here, if we got ADHD or whatever. Let's try one two three magic for a month, for three to four weeks and see what we have left. And so you go three to four weeks, and if the parents are doing the program correctly and things shape up, it's like, well, hallelujah, looks like we may not have a uh, diagnosable problem and uh, have a good life. Best of luck to you. Check in with me in a few months or something like that. If you go three or four weeks and the parents feel they're doing it correctly, no extra talking, no emotion and all that, Things will usually be better, but if they're not as good as we want them to be in terms of the child's uh, uh, behavior transformation, then uh, we say maybe it's time to do a more uh, thorough evaluation and look at what else might be um, going on. So we will use 123Magic in conjunction with treatment and therapy for uh, ADHD, bipolar ODD and so on. You're not going to get rid of ADHD and bipolar diagnoses with 123 Magic. You can get rid of ODD if you get the kid early enough. Mm-hmm. All the more reason to have some really good parent training as early as possible. Exactly. This is, I think, this is one of the best preventive mental health uh, <clears throat> programs that's out there. And that's you're absolutely right. That prevention is what you want to do early on, preferably before five. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. Um, and one of the things I like, too, about the book is um, I think parents sometimes misunderstand some of these techniques as being punishment. There are all sort of ways of punishing kids. And you very nicely differentiate in the book between procedures for how to stop undesirable behaviors, like maybe teasing a sibling and how to get a child to initiate and carry out a a simple behavior, like maybe putting a dirty dish in the sink, or a procedure that maybe is a little bit more lengthy, like getting ready for bed. Can you talk a little bit about how these behaviors are managed differently and why we'd want to do that? Right. The the first two parenting jobs, number one is obnoxious behavior, number two is good behavior. And the reason we separate them is because, as you're implying here, the tactics for dealing with them are different. Uh, And to deal with obnoxious behavior, you can use counting for just about any obnoxious behavior, and that's great. But when it comes to get a kid to go to bed, if you want to count whining, kids can you you say the count, a kid cooperates. That can happen happen over one or two seconds. 
But if you want to get a kid ready for bed, that could take half hour. They do their homework. Sometimes it takes four years, it seems like. Uh, you want them to eat their dinner, all this kind of stuff. Those things take longer, so counting isn't so good for that. So what we need to do is establish routines for bedtime, for homework, for getting up and out in the morning. And we use our routines for parenting job number two, which is the encouraging good behavior. And it's very important. We get parents in the beginning of the program, and you, you may be aware of this, well, they want the kid to do the homework, and so they count. They say that's one. <clears throat> oh, well, that's not going to work as well as having a good routine for the positive behavior. So it's different problems, different strategies. That makes sense. And speaking of different strategies, or at least different settings, um, we talk about consistency with parents all the time in terms of managing behavior effectively at home and also across other kinds of settings. But what about different authority figures? There's a there's a one two three magic for teachers book, and I myself have given a number of teachers this book over the years. How can one two three magic be used in a classroom by teachers and other caregivers? Yeah, just you know, very similar to how it's done at home. In fact, uh, when we just had the one two three magic parenting book, uh, for many years. Before we had the teacher book, for many years, <clears throat> teachers were on their own adapting the uh, parenting program to the classroom. And so the only difference is, I mean, you got the basic discipline program, you got the three kind of uh, uh, jobs, you know, the good behavior, bad behavior, and uh, strengthening relationships. Teachers have those problems, too. And in the parenting book, we have chapters on eating, going to bed, getting up and out in the morning. In the teacher book, you have the basic classroom discipline, then things like hallways, assemblies, you know, peer conflicts, and so on. So it's, uh, but but our basic rules for teachers are, um, with 123 Magic, uh, we say with, with this program, you don't have to disrupt your own class. You can do discipline at the same time that you're doing Oceans of the World, uh, and you can deal with Johnny, who is talking over there to his <laughs> friend, and you can keep going on about the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean and not disrupt yourself. It's your class. You don't want to disrupt your own class. And that is, I'm sure, their number one priority, being yeah. able to <laughs> manage those few kids who may yeah. have emotional behavior problems but also you know, continue to do the main part of their job, which is to teach the kids, right? That's right. Yeah, a, a long lecture in the middle of class. Uh, about good behavior and bad behavior and how frustrated you are and so on is really um, inappropriate. It doesn't do a whole lot of good. Uh, uh, you know, it may stop the misbehavior for that time, but it's going to get the kid embarrassed. He's mad at you, and you just had uh, you know five minutes less time to uh, do what you're supposed to be doing. All the more reason for for teachers to have a good system to implement so that they don't struggle. Absolutely. That's right, and they need what to resource it with What resources can be kids. found? Yep. Yeah. Um, are, are there resources out there for teachers, for families, perhaps online, to, to learn about behavior management, child development, child psychology? Yeah, the, you know, one of my favorite uh, books, <clears throat> and it does have some tech stuff, some video and some online stuff, is a book by Laura Burke, which is B-E-R-K, <clears throat> uh, called Child Development. It's the ninth edition it's a very well-organized, very easy to read, uh, very large, <laughs> as you can imagine how these textbook, uh, textbooks are. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very, very clear. And on behavior management, there's all kind of stuff. Uh, <clears throat> one of my favorite sites uh, is it's called the Top Ten List 
for managing your child's behavior. And it's just 10 suggestions. It's very commonsensical and uh, very good. It's not, I may be associated with a particular program, I'm not sure, but uh, so as far as behavior management, that's a kind of a good general, uh, general place to go. That's great. And of course, most importantly, how can listeners learn more about you and 123Magic? Yes, we have our website is 123magic.com, uh, and the 123Magic book is it's in all the bookstores. It's on Amazon. It's in a ton of libraries and so on. So it's all over the place if people are interested in um, taking a look at it. And do you, you mentioned ter- attending live workshops. Do you travel around and give workshops that would be accessible to people? I do. In fact, uh, I'll be doing a series. Now, this is in the Chicago area in a place called Naperville. We'll be doing a series in um, March. And if anybody's interested in going to Guatemala, it's only a 10-hour plane ride, I think. I'll be doing a <laughs> one, two, three in Guatemala on July 15th. So it's probably not Sounds like a great reason to go to <laughs> Guatemala. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we do. The, the, well, I the hope workshops are listed trip. on on our website, and we're also, I hope soon, we'll be doing uh, live as well as on-demand webinars on our website, 123magic.com. Wonderful. And do you have, like, a a newsletter that they can sign up for? We do, yeah. If you go to our website, you can do a monthly, our monthly newsletter, which is available in English and Spanish. Uh, It's just a couple of pages, real simple parenting tips, real real friendly. Uh, And that's free. Just click the button, and you get it. Great. Wonderful. Dr. Phelan, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today about 123 Magic and effective discipline for probably what is the hardest job in the world, right, um, parenting? I think it is. They, they should have more training <laughs> for this. and they, they Somebody ought to warn us what we're getting ourselves into. That's right. <laughs> and yet we all do it. Most of we us do it, it anyway. Uh, thank you so much, and thank you to our listeners for being with us today. We'll hope you join us again next time for Matters of the Mind on the Coffee Clatch. As with all shows on the Coffee Clatch, you can find us at www.thecoffeeclatch.com, on iTunes, and on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on the web at www.thecenterforemotionalhealth.com. And head over to follow me on Twitter at, at Dr. Dibler. Tweet me your thoughts, comments, suggestions, questions, anytime. And until next time, thanks for joining us.